I watched The Birth of a Nation from 1915. It's the 40th film I've watched as part of this podcast. And it's really just one of a few that I've seen so far that I was even aware of before I started. And I've enjoyed silent films since at least my 20s. But before I started this project, I never really actively sought them out, didn't really watch them at home. If there was one playing at a theater and I had a chance to see it, I'd take it. But silent films are pretty rare in theaters. And when they do show them, it's usually one of a handful of the best-known ones, which are usually the ones made towards the end of the silent era. And so I've never seen any of these, except a couple of the short films from very early on. I'd never seen any of these in a theater. And I hadn't even heard of most of the films that I've been watching so far. But of course, this one is very famous, and so I knew about it. And I'd always wanted to watch it, and I finally did. And so... The film today is probably almost certainly best known for being controversial. I've got a picture of the movie's poster linked, and it very starkly illustrates that controversy. And really, all I knew about the film was that it was supposed to be really well-made, and it's racist. Those are the two things that I knew going into the film. And I have a very different point of view after watching it, and I don't want to delve deeply into the topic of race and racism. I'd rather just discuss films with their merits as films. But I guess it's impossible to really talk about the birth of a nation without the topic of race coming up. So with that in mind, the film definitely contains imagery that will startle or disturb most members of a modern audience. But I never... I was waiting for it, I was watching for it, I was looking for it, but I never felt like this film put forth any kind of a racist message. It, it's a fictional drama, romance, mixed in with a historical depiction of the South in the years just before, during, and after the Civil War. And, of course, you know, it's the Civil War, so there's, there's people, there's slaves, there's the war. There's, it's all there. It's things that are part and parcel of America's history. But the film itself, it, it really felt like it was just giving a factual depiction of the history mixed with this love story. And, and so that's it. I think the history is told from the Southern point of view. And that, I'm sure, is a large part of the reason it gets branded a racist film. But Again, I'm sure everybody who watches it will have their own takeaway. People have their own opinions. Um, but I was surprised. I was expecting something really, really racist. If I had to sum the film up in a single short sentence, which is probably almost impossible for a film that's over three hours long, when this came out, it was the longest movie that had ever been made. But I would say my short summation is this is a staunchly anti-war film the message it keeps hammering home over and over is that war, no matter how just the cause might be, should be avoided at almost any cost. And nothing can justify innocent young men being dispatched to battlefields to kill one another on behalf of these wealthy, powerful individuals, politicians, etc., who stay safe at home. That was my main takeaway, anyway, the anti-war message of the film. 
And the film, it definitely takes time to set the stage for the war. It lets the audience become interested in the friendships and the romances of these two families. There's a northern and a southern family. And it builds up to the war so that when these families are torn asunder by the war, you care about them. I think also definitely worth noting is that when this was being made and when it was released, World War I was being fought in Europe. And though the film is about the Civil War, I feel like there's a very clear subtext that can be read for admonishing the U.S. to stay out of the war. And, of course, the message wasn't heeded. Then a couple of years later, after the film came out, the U.S. got into World War I. But that's what I felt like this was. This was more of an allegory using the Civil War as a message like, stay out of war. War is bad. And it does this by capturing war in a very stark, realistic manner. The war scenes are maybe the most harrowing and emotional I've ever witnessed in a film. Before I saw this, I would have said maybe Saving Private Ryan or Hacksaw Ridge if I was trying to think of films with depictions of war that affected me on a real visceral, emotional level. But I don't think either one of those really came close to what The Birth of a Nation made me feel during the war sequences. It was just really sad, really real, and it just really hits home like how pointless and destructive war is. Also worth noting is that this film was made 50 years after the end of the Civil War. It was actually being filmed before them, but it came out 50 years after, which would have been a recent relevant thing to audiences. It would be like the Vietnam War today. The Vietnam War is about as long ago to us now as the Civil War was to the people at the time, which means the people who were involved in the creation and the people who watched it uh, many of them lived through, maybe even fought in the Civil War. And I think that's what helped make those depictions of the history so realistic. And if you think about it, when the movie came out, when The Birth of a Nation was released, the assassination of Lincoln, which to me seems like ancient history, was as recent to the people then as Nixon's resignation is now, I think, Nixon resigned 49 years ago. Lincoln was assassinated 50 years before the the film. So when I realized that, it kind of really hammered home to me that, wow, like this, this was a film about fairly recent events that people watching it, they understood. And many of the people had, had been through it, had lived through it. From a visual standpoint, this film is just leaps and bounds ahead of anything I've watched yet. There have been a few movies that felt like they kind of took film to the next level, but this I, this jumps forward light years. It flows just like a modern film. And I mentioned it's long. It's three hours and 13 minutes long, but it never drags. It's every step of the way you are interested, you're invested, you're waiting to see what comes next. It is fun it's funny it's exciting it's thrilling it's brutal it's sad it's it's everything it's it's an epic it's a masterpiece i'm not going to go through the whole plot because it's there's just so much going on plus hopefully you want to watch this yourself and see what happens but it starts by introducing these two families you've got the stoneman family from the north and the cameron family from the south and the two stoneman sons are friends with the three cameron sons 
And so the families get together in South Carolina, where the, the Camerons live. And the Stonemans also have a daughter, Elsie, who's played by Lillian Gish. She doesn't come on the trip, but everybody else does. And so while they're there, the oldest of the Northern brothers, Phil, he falls in love with the sister of the Southerners, Margaret. So Phil and Margaret are starting to date. And then Ben, who's one of the Southerners, he sees a picture of Elsie and he falls for her and he actually keeps the picture. And so you've got these kind of one actual romance and then one, I guess you'd call it a crush. And then not long after the visit, the Civil War breaks out and suddenly these five young men who are friends, they're now fighting in a war on opposite sides. And the younger Stoneman brother is killed in the war. Two of the Cameron brothers are killed. Only the oldest two, Ben and Phil, each each of the oldest brothers survive. All the other kids die. And one of the daughters even dies later in the film. So it's just, these families are really just destroyed. And actually one of the most powerful moments in the film is with these two of the brothers who are on opposite sides. Uh, they've, they just happen to encounter each other on the battlefield. They've already both been mortally wounded. They notice each other. They realize uh, they, for a moment they're about to fight. Then so they realize who they are, and they they're both dying. And they just kind of die in each other's arms as friends. It's it's a very moving moment. Uh, film continues with an account of the post-war chaos in the South, and it moves kind of between the historical story. They show the assassination of Lincoln, uh, and then it back and forth with the fictional story of the families. Ben and Elsie finally meet. Ben is wounded. Elsie's a nurse. They meet. She sees that he has a picture of her. He explains it, and they they fall in love. And the reconstruction of the South gets underway. And, and that's the film. There's a lot more to it, but that's the gist of the film. The historical portion includes the creation of the Ku Klux Klan. And I'm sure this is the source of a lot of the, the racist complaints against the film. And it's also part of this, it's really awful. I think the worst part of this film is not, the film itself, you could watch it and just be like, this is, it's a film, it's history, it's drama. It's the legacy of the film, I think, is so difficult, problematic, whatever the word is. Um, the, the original clan, the Ku Klux Klan shown in the film was, it existed for about five years, and it was more of a resistance movement against, there, there were a lot of these, opportunistic people from the north coming down to the south which had been just destroyed by the war and they were trying to gain power and wealth and they were trying to take advantage of the the recently freed slaves and it was, it was just a mess down there and that original clan was more like a resistance against that that was it, after about five years it broke up it was done after this movie came out the Ku Klux Klan that we know now was formed because they saw this and they were like, yeah, we're, this is, we're going to do that. And that's like, if there's anything horrible about the film, it's all these things that it led to, because it was just, we have a clan now because of this movie. So in that regard, obviously this is terrible, but again, I'm trying to look at this as just a film. And so, you know, if somebody builds a Terminator robot that kills a bunch of people after seeing the Terminator, I, you know, I, it's hard to blame the Terminator for that. So, yeah, but the, the, you could, I'm sure people have, you could write books and make entirely new movies about the aftermath of this film and the hatred and violence it, it created. But that, that is clearly the worst of it is this, you know, the, I, I guess the Klan is probably still around now, but 
after this film, that's when these guys in the hoods were riding around doing terrible things, and they got the idea from the movie. So it's not a good thing at all. And um, but yeah, like I, there's, I feel like I'm going well beyond the film if I start getting into that. Um, despite that controversy, despite the backlash. In a purely cinematic term, this is just a remarkable film. It's like I said, it's so far beyond anything that came before it. It, it really feels like the style, the language. I've heard it called the grammar of film, but it seems like modern film starts with the birth of a nation. That this is where everything before it leads up to this, and then this is what teaches other people. This is how you make a movie, and it's just—it's a masterpiece. It's—it's it's technically astounding. It's entertaining. It's everything you want a movie to be. Uh, except for its horrible, terrible legacy afterwards. We don't want that. Um, it was a huge box office success. They they didn't have accurate records. It wasn't like now where they, back then studios made films. They just negotiated a price. They sold it to theaters. The theater kept it, showed it as many times as they want. So it was like a totally different way of doing things back then. And it's really impossible to know at all how much these films made. Um, People tend to estimate that in today's dollars, it made at least $1.5 billion. Most estimates are it's closer to $2 billion in modern money. So right up there with the avatars and Avengers movies of today. It ran in theaters for, I think, over a year, selling out show after show. In New York, there were these special showings, which in today's dollars were $64 per ticket, and those were selling out show after show, day after day. It was re-released in the 30s and did really well then, too. So whatever it was, it, it made a ton of money. And that is The Birth of a Nation. Next, I'm watching The Tramp from 1915, directed by Charles Chaplin.